0: Let's make today the day you start the business that will change your life. You'll learn how at Income School. Income School is about taking your income into your own hands by creating a website that people will love, building a following, and earning a living online. And now your host, Jim Harmer. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Income School podcast. In today's episode, I want to teach you something that can, that can save you just a tremendous amount of heartache and pain in your life. And most business owners open themselves up to this pain. So I want to walk you through the legal aspects of starting a blog or a podcast, any kind of internet marketing business. A few things that we need to understand right away. First, I am an attorney. I'm uh, I don't practice practice actively with the firm. I, I you know I'm a full time blogger and podcaster, but I am very familiar w- with the law, and especially as it relates to business law and the internet and photography, because that's that's kind of my area right there. And the second thing is, I can tell you about U.S. law. I know a lot of things about laws in other countries from people that I've worked with, and I can I can guide you a little bit there, but most of this podcast is going to be applicable mostly to people in the United States. But you'll find as we go through that most of the things we talk about will apply where, whether you're in Canada or the U.K. or Australia or whatever. Some names and situations change, but a lot of it will carry over. Now, while I am an attorney, I'm not your attorney. In fact, I uh, don't even know most of you. (laughs) So when you get advice, this is quick and dirty legal information that I am providing on on the podcast, but it's not tailored business advice for you or legal or tax advice. So I want you to seek the representation of of an attorney before you make any important business decision. First there are two things that are going to get you sued faster than anything else in running your business. In fact, if you go into any attorney's office or barrister, if you're in another country, if you go into any attorney's office and you say, hey, I'm getting sued, they're going to ask you, oh, is it it a disgruntled employee or is it a creditor? That's, I mean, 99% of the time, if a business is getting sued, that's what happened. It's either some kind of employee misstep or it means you owe somebody money or they feel like they owe you money, uh, that you owe them money, uh, especially when a business is in decline. When you've run out of money, then you'll see the creditors start to climb all over everything. So those are the most important things to to, to take care of right from the beginning. First, if you're ever hiring an employee it is so worth it to find an attorney in your city and just have them write up a simple employee contract. Just just Google, you know, employee or business law in your in your city name and you'll easily find an attorney who will do this for under $500. I know that's a big expense, but if you're hiring an employee, this is Worth it. I cannot stress that enough. You have to have a contract in place if you're hiring anybody. Now that's as an employee, but also if you work a lot with independent contractors, you're going to want contracts for them as well. If, if you're working just with a one-off project, ah, I don't know, it's always nice if you can get an attorney, but you probably can't afford that. Uh, so at least just open a Word document and write down a simple contract of what you're doing, what they're doing when you're going to pay, and what everybody's responsibilities are. Have you sign it, them sign it, date it. That's all a contract is. I think when most people think, oh, I need a contract, if you can't go to an attorney, you're just so scared because you're like, I don't know what to say. And, you know I, I, you know, I don't know what special legal jargon to put in there. There are a lot of things that may help. But that's all a contract is, is it shows the agreement between two parties. So if you're ever hiring anybody to do work in your business, you know, you're hiring somebody to design a logo, you're hiring somebody to do work on your website, anything like that, just write down what you're doing, what they're doing, how much money's being paid and sign it and you're that's a contract. That that will is so much better than not doing anything at all. So those are the two most likely situations to happen, you know, when your business is running out of money or if you have an employee. But anything you do in your business could cause legal problems. And one thing to understand is it doesn't matter all the time if you're right or wrong in the lawsuit. Let's say I, I, uh, oh, let's say I, I register a domain name and I don't do a trademark search before I buy the domain name. And I I build it up for two years, and then all of a sudden I get a letter from a company that says, "Uh oh, that's my trademark that you're using in your domain name, and shut it down right now." Well, you're in real trouble if you if you are using their trademark, and so you're going to have to either shut down that website, which would in, I mean just destroy your business, obviously, especially an online business. Or you're going to have to hire an attorney if you think you're right and fight the thing. And it could cost you $50,000 to fight something like that over over the course of time if the, if this is a real serious thing. Or if you have a disgruntled employee that says you didn't pay them the right amount or you, you fired them because of their uh, race or gender or something, it doesn't matter if you're right. If they sue you, you can rack up incredible legal fees and take an amazing amount of time away from your business just because you got sued, even if you end up prevailing in the lawsuit. In some other countries, especially in the United Kingdom, they're much more open to, to, uh, to paying the other side's legal fees if, if you lose the, the lawsuit. So you may be protected in some situations like that, but in most countries, and especially in the United States, you're very unlikely to recover legal fees. Usually, that's something that each party pays their own, at least as a as a default position. Uh, you know, if the the lawsuit was totally frivolous or something like that, then yes, we, sometimes we can get legal fees, but it's very unlikely to happen. So. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. The, the goal with all of this is avoid legal problems from the beginning so it never gets to the point of a lawsuit, even if you're right. Nothing will destroy your business faster than a legal problem. So I want you to start off your new website doing this correctly. Well, the first thing to be aware of is copycatting. Now, I, I'm changing this from copyright because it may or may not fall in a copyright kind of uh, setting. But it, there's definitely a lot of copycatting that happen, that happens on the Internet. For example... I have a photography website that's very popular. Well, there's another website named Expert Photography that decided they were going to copy a lot of the things that I was doing on my website. It was the same WordPress theme. That, that Maybe that, that could have been a, a coincidence. But then they started taking the articles that I was writing, the headlines, and writing very similar headlines. And I would post something on social media, and they would post something very similar on their social media the same day. Just these, quote unquote, co- coincidences were happening all the time. And so what did I do? And I think this is something that everybody should be aware of is just go to go to Google Docs when you see this starting to happen. And every time you see a coincidence that, wow, I just wrote, wrote a blog post and then they wrote a blog post with almost the exact same title right afterward. Or, wow, I wrote this article and maybe they even took the whole article and just changed the word, the wording a little bit. This looks really similar. All I do every time I see it, It makes me mad, but I don't do anything right away. I always start a Google Doc, and I I just write down every time that happens with the particular website. And then if it goes on for a few months, then I'll write an email to the website owner, and I'll say, "I've noticed your website. I wish you the best. I hope you do great. I've noticed that that you're copying a lot of my content. These are the things that I know I noticed you've copied." You're going to go back and delete these blog posts and fix this right away, or else I'm going to publish this Google Doc as a blog post and show everybody what you're taking from me. And that has fixed the problem incredibly fast in the past. Uh, that, uh, That has worked very well. No need to file a lawsuit over that kind of thing. I don't want to sue anybody. I just don't want anybody stealing my stuff like anybody else. You, you need to show respect for the creation of others. Now, if somebody's doing something really similar to me, they're, they're writing similar stuff, but they're linking over to me all the time. They're crediting me where it's due. Even if I think, eh, they probably shouldn't have taken that, but they're giving me credit. You know, they're, they're being a nice guy. I'm okay with that. I'm usually not going to have a problem with that. But when I notice, wow, they're never linking over to me. They're just taking my stuff, trying to make a copy of my website with their own words. uh, That's how I approach it. And it just works flawlessly. Every time I do it, I get a dramatic apology within like 30 seconds of sending the email. And the problem is fixed right away. They delete the articles. They change the website, do whatever it takes because they don't want that bad press. Next is talking about copyright. When we talk about copyright, we're talking about uh, some kind of creative work that that we're that we're using on our websites. For example, if you take a photo taken by another person and use it in your website, well, the photographer has the copyright for that picture, and you're using it on their website. So the you can't do that generally. And we have a question from a listener about this very thing that we'll ta- that we'll get to in just a second. But generally we're buying stock photos. The one that I recommend is fotolia.com, F O T O L I A. They have a great prices and for getting photos for your articles, I think it's your best bang for your buck right now. It's a lot cheaper than i stock photo for for what I need. So if I buy a stock photo, then I think, oh, great, I have it. But what I see bloggers m- mess up a lot is they'll they'll use the photo in a way that the license agreement didn't allow for. For example, they'll buy a stock photo and then use it in their logo. Well, that's not allowed in the agreement from when you buy the photo. You can't use those stock photos in a logo. So that's going to be a, a misstep. Or if you use it, you know, a big full res picture on, on a video or something, well, well, it might say that you can only use that photo digitally up to you know, 800 pixels by 600 pixels and you've used it too big. So when you buy your your stock photos, read the entire license agreement from the site you're buying from. Again, the one I use is Fotolia. So if you're trying to, to illustrate an article, go there, buy your first photo, and when you do, read that whole long, annoying legal thing. Uh, most of it is going to be Greek to you, but you're going to get... Some important things in there of where you can and cannot use that photo. Be really careful with that kind of thing. That's very important. I had an experience last week or I guess two weeks ago that could have, I mean, destroyed my reputation. It was a pretty scary moment for me if I hadn't been watching the website like a hawk at that particular moment. I was doing a sale and I used a stock photo to advertise the product that I was selling. Well, I purchased the stock photo. I used it in a way that I was allowed to uh, according to the, the terms of use and I started to get comments all of a sudden one afternoon. I was out playing with the kids and I just came up to check my email or something. I just wanted to check. I can't remember what I was doing. Check something on the computer. And I noticed I was getting just a flood of comments from people saying, hey, you're stealing somebody else's photo and and you didn't have the right to use it. And I thought, what in the world? And so I looked around and I noticed the photographer who took the the picture that I had purchased but I stole the photo without paying and was publishing to his social media that I had stolen the photo. So I was panicked and I thought, holy smokes, well, I, I better double check to make sure I really did buy this thing. And I was really grateful I had the receipt for the picture that I had purchased. And I was so glad I could find that receipt because I just published it to to his social media and said, oh, yeah, then what's this receipt for? And it made him look like an like a bozo because uh, he was trying to out me when I, I was one of his customers. I had purchased his photo and it, it most importantly, it protected me because in my industry, if you take somebody's photos, you can just be destroyed overnight so that was a, a very critical moment that I'm so glad I had that receipt. So be extremely careful when you're using somebody else's photos. We have a question from a listener on this very topic. Hi, Jim. Uh, my name is Sunny, and I'm from Austin, Texas. Thanks for the Income School podcast. Uh, I know you're an attorney, so um, I was wondering if you could tell me um, if it's legal to share photos from uh, other websites. If I give them credit, you know, with the link. I've been seeing a lot of websites doing this, uh, like, well, viralnova.com where they share Internet memes. Uh, it seems to be driving a lot of traffic. So, if you could tell me if that's legal, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Great question. Now, I won't comment on ViralNova.com specifically. That's it for them to to decide. But if we're allowed to take somebody else's photo and share it on our website or share it on social media is a very good question. As a general rule, if somebody else created the work, you can't use it, period. Now, there's an exception to that rule, and that's called fair use in American law. What Fair use says is there are some situations where you can take somebody else's work and use it for yourself and even earn a profit for it. This is how Weird Al works his web works his his music. If you've listened to any Weird Al songs, he takes a work from another artist, a song, and he makes it funny and he he turns it around, changes the words to make it something silly and he's he then performs and sells the the song. Now he never has to pay for the for the works that he's using, the songs that he's using because he is making a parody of, of that work. And one of the exceptions to, to our general copyright law, if it's not yours, don't use it, is in fair use, it says if it's a parody, then that's okay. Because the law sees some value in uh, in people making fun of each other and making spoof, spoofs of different things. So a parody can be okay. Or another example is a critique. Let's say I want to... Oh, write a, uh, some, uh, you know, Ansel Adams published a, a famous photo and I want to publish that photo on, on my blog and write a critique of the photo saying, hey, I really like this photo because of this, I really don't like this photo because of that. I want to critique the image that's okay, I can use that photo in this situation because I'm providing a critique of the image. Or for example, somebody has written a book and I want to quote that book. Well, I'm taking his exact words and so our general rule says, no, can't do that. But if I'm only taking you know, a couple sentences from it and I give credit for who said it and I'm not doing anything that would take away the value from the book, You know, I'm not publishing so much of the book that somebody says, ah, I don't need to buy it now because that guy just told me everything that's in there then now i'm i'm okay that's fair use so there are exceptions to that rule but if you don't see those exceptions for fair use do not share the content unless you have purchased it so if you see a really funny meme on somebody's facebook that uh, that somebody has you can go ahead and hit the share button but can you download that picture upload it to your facebook page and share it again Uh -uh. No, that's not your content and you can't, uh, so you can't do that. You have to be very careful with, with that kind of thing. So, um, you know, if I want to share an article that somebody wrote, that's okay. I'm just going to share a thumbnail of the picture and that's generally okay. Like Google does that very commonly. They'll show us a little thumbnail of the content. It's so small that it's not taking away from the value and just one or two sentences of what it's about. That's okay. That's fair use. We're all right in that situation. So you can share lots of things, but especially with photos, be very careful about, about how it's put on. Now, another thing that a lot of people are doing right now is when they're just basically collating content, they're taking content from a lot of other websites and they're finding the very best stuff and they're putting it on their blog and they'll write a blog post that says, hey, Bob Jones just posted this on a, on his website, Bob says, and then quoting a lot of stuff in the article and embedding Bob's Bob's video. Ah, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Because if you're even if you link over to Bob, you may be taking so much of the value of that post that, that you're stealing the content. That's where the lines get really blurred, and you have to be very careful with that kind of thing. It's probably best in that kind of situation to talk to Bob and say, hey, I'm going to link to you. I want to give you credit. We're going to send you some traffic from this. Can I republish part of this? And then you're probably going to be okay from a legal standpoint. Now, we talked about stock photos uh, also be careful about logos be careful of other companies in your industry who may have a confusingly similar logo now speaking of confusingly similar the next topic is trademark where a copyright protects a creative work you know a, f- a photo a writing a painting a something like that a trademark is going to r- protect the source of in of of a uh, of a product, a service, or something, some kind of business. So let's say somebody goes to my, to one of my websites, photoclasses.com. They go to P-H-O-T-O, photoclasses.com. Well, what if somebody else bought photoclasses.com, F-O-T-O? Well, they could get confused about which company they're purchasing from. Are they buying from Jim? Are they buying from another guy? This is what happened to me last week. I got a, a call from a very upset customer and I answered the call and he was complaining about the service. And I thought, boy, what's going on here? I, I, I've i never had any kind of complaints like this. I, I, I don't, I'm I not aware of that kind of problem on the website. And so I talked with him for a long time and I, I was a little bit I was befuddled. I didn't know what, what could have happened because I'd never had this kind of complaint before. And after I talked to him for a while, I said, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what's going on here. C- can you send me your receipt? And we then realized that he had bought from fotophotoclasses.com, not photoclasses.com. Uh, he had bought from a different company with a confusingly similar domain name. That's a trademark problem. That means that somebody was confused about what source they were getting the product from. So what am I doing? Well, this more like last week, I sent a nice, polite email to photoclasses.com and I said, hey, you need to cease and desist use of this domain name. It's causing customers confusion. I started using this trademark before you and so I have the right to this trademark. You do not have to register a trademark to have a trademark. So if I start using a, a, a let's say I make a company that's called uh, Avid Runners and and that's the name of my my company I'm advertising to athletes. Well, if I use the name Avid Runners in commerce and I'm advertising it, promoting it, I have a product, something like that. Then if somebody makes Avid Runner then I can go ahead and sue that person because I have the trademark. You get a trademark from using the trademark, not not just from registering it. Registering your trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office can help protect your trademark if somebody does something to, to infringe on your use of that trademark. But all you have to do is use it in order to have it. So, this mo- so I sent that letter to, politely to the other photoclasses.com last week. I didn't get a response. They ignored me. So, today I took it up a be- step because I'm an attorney. I, I wrote a letter to them, uh, a cease and desist letter. And a cease and desist letter basically just says, hey, it, the, it's to it's scare you. That's the purpose of a cease and desist letter. It just says, hey, I'm aware you're using my trademark, I have the right to it because of this, I'm citing a couple court cases proving to you why I have the rights to this trademark, I used it before you, I these are the specific things that you're doing, this is what's causing the customer confusion, and now you're going to transfer this domain name to me in seven days or else I'm coming after you, I'm ready to file a lawsuit." So since they didn't respond to my polite request, I tried to do it as the nice guy. Uh, then today I sent them what attorneys call a nasty gram. It's the cease, cease and desist letter that basically just says, hey, you're going to fix this right now or I'm ready to, to file a lawsuit. And if that company doesn't, re, doesn't reply to the cease and desist letter, I will file, file a lawsuit. I'm not a litigious guy. I don't like to, you know, get all legal on people and, and and go after other companies. It's just not the kind of person that I am. But this is causing a real problem with my business where i'm getting calls from another company Uh, it's confusing my customers and and i don't want to be confused with that other company this is my trademark and so i need to protect that and hopefully they'll they'll do the right thing and they'll they'll recognize that trademark and they'll transfer the domain name i'm not trying to crush their business but i do need need them to respect that trademark so that it doesn't hurt my business. So I, w- I would give them time to transfer th- their domain to another website. So it doesn't hurt their business or anything. But if they won't play nice after this letter. Then yeah I, w- I will file a lawsuit. And it's going to be pretty easy to win. Because I can prove that I used it in commerce before them. Alright so that's trademark and copyright. Other things that you need to just be aware of in running your business. Are things like customer data. If you're storing credit cards on your website, if you're taking credit cards on your website, you really need to make sure that you're going through all the appropriate channels. I would always have a terms of use on your on your website. You're free to look at what I have on improved photography or on incomeschool.com and look at the the kind of terms of use that I have in there. See what things I, co- I cover in it and then write your own to... To cover what you know what you're doing on your website. If you ever sell products, you'll always wanna have that little checkbox that says, okay, I agree to this or that when they purchase it. Just explain what you're giving to them and what you expect them to do with the product and what they expect to pay, and that's it. That's what you need to cover. You know, if you can get it in great legalese to make it perfect, then that's great. But just write a simple agreement saying what you do and what they do, and you'll be just fine. Excuse me. All right, the next thing is very important and it seems more scary than it actually is. This is actually a very simple things to th- simple thing to do. It will not take you more than an than a couple hours to get set up and it can make a dramatic impact on your business. Let's say I start a website about furniture design people that want to or reclaimed furniture people that buy old furniture at garage sales and on craigslist and then they take it home refinish it and put it in their house well that's a okay so we got a great idea for a new website i start making it and i i you know run the business for a couple years and eventually i do a deal with another company where an affiliate deal where if they send customers to my information product, then I will I will give them a fifty percent commission on my online course on on refurbishing furniture. Well, I run this uh, this affiliate deal for for a year, and then all of a sudden I get a letter from this person who's been sending me traffic, and they say, Hey. I've done tests. I, re- I know that you're not giving me credit for all the sales that I've sent to you. I-, I tested this out. I tried four credit card transactions where I bought the product going through my affiliate link and you only g- gave me credit for one. I believe that over the last year, I've sent you $50,000 more more traffic than what you paid me for. And so pay up 50000 right now, buddy. And you look, and sure enough, your website had a real error on it. It was just a a mistake. You weren't trying to cheat anybody. But sure enough, it was not tracking all the sales like it should have. You are in some serious trouble. You owe $50,000 to this guy. Well, your business is still small. You only have $10,000 in the bank, and you don't have much personally either. And so you say, I'm bankrupt. There's no way I can pay this. Business is kind of going downhill right now. There's no way I can get up to that. I'm in real trouble. Well, if you have your business registered as a separate business and it's and it's, you know, its own it's its own entity, then all that, the, then that, that that creditor can get from you is what the business owns. Any computers the business owns, your business's current bank account that only has $10,000 in it. They can't come get your house. They can't come get your car, etc. But if you have not set up the business as a separate legal entity, they can not only get your business stuff, they can take your house away, your car away. They can garnish your wages. They can really go after everything you have because of this honest mistake you made in running your business so we have to figure out asset protection so all asset protection means is if anybody ever comes after me and something just terribly wrong happened in the business then i want them only to be able to to sue the business and not me personally and my personal assets there are a few things we do First is we're going to want to register a company. Now, there are a lot of different legal entities to make up a company. If you just start your website and you don't register any company, what you have is called a sole proprietorship. It just means your business and you are basically the same person. And so if your business gets sued, you get sued as well. If you have set up a separate legal entity like an LLC or a limited liability company, then somebody would only be able to sue the company or a corporation, an uh, S-corp, whatever it is that you've set up. There are lots of different legal entities. And in other countries, this is the same thing. You can set, set up a sole proprietorship, which is your own business, or you can register a separate company. But at least in the United States just doing that does not protect your assets really at all. And that's what most people do. They register an LLC and say, whew, assets are protected. No, they are not. So going back to that situation where you get sued by somebody who did the affiliate deal with you, well, all that they have to do is they're going to go into court and they'll say, hey, I know they registered an LLC, but you know what? When this guy wanted to buy a boat for his personal use, he just dipped right into the business, to the business bank account. When this guy wanted to go on a trip to Maui, he just used company funds to do it and it wasn't even a business expense. So even though he's registered another business, he's acted as if it's his own bank account and not like like he's an employee of the company. So judge, I want to sue this guy directly. And you'll lose. You'll lose that, that case every time. Even though you registered the, LLC or separate corporate entity, you're going to lose and they're going to be able to get your house or your car. So the way that we do it is we have everything separate, have your personal bank account and then just go to your bank and say, hey, I want to open a new business checking account. Every single dime that the business earns needs to be deposited into the business account, not your personal account always put every dime in there. When you pay for your website hosting, your email provider, your everything, then that gets paid from the business account. Never ever take anything from the business account and use it for your personal use. Now, of course, you want the business to pay you. You want to actually take the money from the business and use it for yourself. The way that you're going to do that is the best way to do it is just Open a Google Doc and write down, hey, uh, Bob Jones LLC uh, has has hereby resolved that from from this day forward, once a month on the on the fifth day of the month, Bob Jones as an individual is going to get paid a thousand dollars. You just set your salary. Now print that page out, sign it, and save the letter. You just followed a corporate formality. That's what any company would do when they decide the pay of a person. They're gonna write that out and and have a corporate you know notes of that happening. And even though you're the you're the owner of the business, the only person in the business, you set your salary and say, okay, I'm gonna earn five hundred dollars a month. Now every fifth day of the of the month, I'm going to tra- I'm gonna write a check from the business. To me personally, and then I'm going to check it in my personal account. There you go. You're set. You now have separate business and personal accounts. That's excellent. You also want to, you know, every maybe every six months, you're going to want to have a meeting where you have official meeting minutes. You know, if you have a spouse, great. If you have a really smart friend that's in business, take them out to dinner and say, "Hey, I want you to be an advisor to my company." Uh, I Uh, You know, can can we go talk about where my company is? And I'm going to write down some notes you're set. Uh, most secretaries of state for the for whatever state you're in will accept that, that you can actually submit the meeting minutes, but you don't necessarily have to do that. You don't necessarily have to submit that. Uh, that's going to depend on, on the way that you've set up your business. Um, maintaining things like insurance for your business can also be very helpful. Most businesses have insurance, a lawyer, a CPA, that kind of thing. So having those things in place too can also help. I don't think you necessarily have to get a lawyer, CPA, or or insurance right when you're starting your business, but as your business starts to get bigger and bigger and you realize that, you know, this is a real thing, this is my income, you probably want to add those things to your to your company because it makes you look more legitimate and it can prevent other legal problems from happening no matter what comp- country you're in or, or what stage your business is in, I at least want you to see, to see you do two things. One is start a separate, a separate bank account for your business. I probably also want you to see you register that LLC. In the United States, it costs $100. Just go to your, your state's Secretary of State website and find out how to register an LLC. It's very simple. It is not complicated. You do not need to hire somebody to do this for you. To register an LLC is a piece of cake. Anybody can do it. Pay the $100 filing fee and send it in there and you're set to go. Then go down to your, whatever bank you prefer and say, I want to start a business account. No problem. You'll have you put in oh, $200 from your personal account just to, to open the account. And then your business is funded. From now on, every single dime you earn goes into the business. Every single Dime that comes out of the business goes from that business checking account. And when you want to pay yourself, follow that corporate formality. Write that that contract with you, to yourself, and then make out a check to yourself once a month so that you're paid normally. That's going to protect you incredibly well. Just following these simple steps can prevent incredible. A heartache and troubles from happening later in life as your business gets bigger. We have one more question about uh, the legal side of, of running an internet business. Let's go to that one right now. Hi, Jim. I'm Roy from Flagstaff, Arizona. A quick question about the legality of negative product reviews. I'm reviewing a product that I think really sucks. Can negative reviews get me in legal trouble? Thanks for your help. Bye. Yeah, a negative review can definitely get you in legal problem, into legal trouble, but there are also great protections for you. So let's say I want to review, uh, oh, a new light bulb. I'm writing an an interior design blog and I say wow, if you switch to daylight balanced light bulbs in your house, it just gives the home a really clean look. So I tried this light bulb from EcoSmart. I say that because I see one on my desk right now and I did just install a daylight balanced uh, light bulb in my office. When uh, I tried these these light bulbs from EcoSmart and it was awful. It gave kind of a green color cast. It's not actually. It works great, but I'm just giving an example. Um, and I write this. I just say, you know, EcoSmart is a terrible company. They're cheaping out on their customers. It has a green color cast. And it broke within two days because the bulb burned out. And also it advertises that it's $3, but they're lying to you. It's actually $5. Well, now EcoSmart sees this review and it says, "Uh-oh, I don't like this. We want this guy to stop this review." Well, if I say that it has that it has terrible color in my opinion, that's fine. That's protected. I can have my opinion and there's nothing they can do about that. If I f- if I feel that it's not a good color, then that's fine. That's just an opinion. But I also said a fact. I said that it was that they advertise it's $3 but it's actually 5. Well, what if they could prove that they aren't advertising it's $3, you know? Maybe there's a little star and at the bottom some fine print that says, eh, $3 plus shipping, you know, or whatever. Well, now I've said a fact about the company that's untrue. And so now can they come after me? Absolutely. And so they could come at me for lost profits. Let's say my review was very popular and people st- stopped buying their product as much because it was the number two, two result for Google right under their business name. Well, now I could be in, you know, on the hook for a lot of money if it's hurt their business. But there are some protections to this. First thing is state your opinions clearly. Say when it's an opinion and when it's a fact. And don't state any fact about another company unless you're sure that fact is true. You want to make sure that you have verified all your facts. Because if you state something as a fact and it's not true, then you're in big trouble. And then from there on, you're really fine. Just be upfront and honest about what you did in testing the product, why you didn't like it, and say what facts you have and check them to make sure you're okay. And then you can write a scathing review about how much you hate this product or service or whatever. It doesn't matter how negative it is. Just make sure you're following those things. Another thing to be aware of is when you're writing something negative about a person and not necessarily a product. Let's say that I have a... Uh, an accountant. I really don't like my accountant. And I write on my blog about what's, uh, what a horrible person he is. And uh, he's a cheat and a scoundrel and all these things. And I verified my facts. And then I, I, I included an opinion that, oh, and also I think that, uh, you know, this guy is, is, uh, he's a homewrecker. You know, then well, what if what if he's not actually a homewrecker and I talked about this individual, now I have a defamation problem on my on my hands. So you wanna be careful talking about an individuals unless they're famous. If it's a celebrity of any sort, you're pretty open to say whatever you feel like the person, and that is gonna be protected speech. But if it's an individual who's not famous, be very careful. Uh, If you're talking about a physical product, just make sure we we fact check everything and you're going to be just fine. Well, legal questions are not the exciting, sexy part of Internet business. You know, we want to talk about this, this clever, this clever trick for getting traffic and, and all kinds of things like that. But this is the kind of thing that can cause real problems. And just this week, I have seen several companies uh, that are copying a lot of my content. Uh, Some of them know that they are copying a lot of my content uh, and don't yet know that that I'm aware of what they're doing. They're taking my exact same blog post headlines and repurposing them in the same niche that I'm in, to to write their own. They're taking the same WordPress theme, the same menu design, the same everything that I'm doing, and, and they're putting it out there. Now, I teach internet business, and so I want you to use the ideas that I'm using. But especially if you're in the same niche as me, and you're taking the same headlines and things like that, I'm going to have a problem with it. And so I have started quite a few... Um, Quite a few uh, docs, Google docs, where I just start to track those things. And if it keeps being a problem with different websites, I just send out that email and say, hey, I notice you're doing this. I really do wish you the best. I'm not trying to hurt you or anything, but I need you to respect the work that I've done by crediting me when you're taking an idea from me. And I'll just email it to them. And as long as they're respectful and they'll they'll change that, then I don't have any problem with it. You know, everybody makes mistakes. It's just not a big deal. I'm not trying to kill anybody. But at the same time, I I do need to protect my business as well. And so those are the steps that I take to keep my business running safe and making sure I'm doing everything right so that my business does not end up being a nightmare and a drain on my family, especially where I'm trying to provide for my family. Well, thanks for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Good luck in your internet ventures, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. When you're serious about launching your website, check out Jim's free step-by-step tutorials at IncomeSchool.com. Income School is a production of Improft Photography, LLC. Any opinions expressed by guests and callers do not reflect those of Improft Photography, LLC. Results mentioned not typical. Some links mentioned are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Some calls simulated. Improft Photography, LLC is not law firm and does not give legal or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a competent licensed CPA or lawyer licensed in your jurisdiction before making business decisions.